It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. It is game week, finally. Um, Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty here. Mitchell, you have been doing this podcast for like five months, and now we finally get to talk about a football game. That's right. That's right. Excited. Yeah, so uh, first of all, before we get into it, this week we do have a new sponsor for the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Mizzou fans, you make your mark on the world while the Tigers do it on the field. How? Through the new underwear company. Yes, that is the new underwear company. Wait for it. Mark Skid, founded by a fellow Mizzou alum with a call of action of make your mark on the world. Mark Skid believes all brands, not just underwear, should have the same qualities as the people we admire in life. A sense of humor. Mitchell, does your underwear have a sense of humor? <laughs> I, I don't think so, which means I guess I need to uh, invest in some Mark Skid. You need some new underwear. <laughs> a sense of humor, a strong character, and a purposeful existence. Mark Skid underwear made with the world and you in mind. Made with the finest cotton in the world, organic Pima cotton, and one upcycled water bottle in each waistband, you make your mark on the world with a $4 donation that is made on your behalf for each pair you purchase. You choose save, feed, or cure the world through any of the nine four-star charity partners. One pair of underwear can plant four trees, feed a child in the developing world for 12 days, or de- deliver $80 of life-saving medical equipment. What is your underwear doing? Mitchell, that is a question you need to ask yourself all week long. That I clearly didn't realize until now that my underwear was greatly underachieving. But once again, Mark Skid Underwear, we will have a link to their site on the podcast page when we get this posted at PowerMizzou.com this afternoon. And truly, we want you to check out all of the sponsors who do make what we do a little bit easier for us to do it. And especially for listeners of this podcast, Mark Skid is offering a special deal Go to their website at markskid.com. That's M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. At checkout, use the code POWERMIZU, all one word, P-O-W-E-R-M-I-Z-Z-O-U. That will get you 15% off of your first order as well as free U.S. shipping. Again, the checkout code POWERMIZU, all one word, at markskid.com. Okay, this week on the podcast, while Mitchell and I did beat the bushes to find anyone we could that covered Tennessee Martin and could give us the ins and outs of the Skyhawks' offensive and defensive schemes, we decided we'd skip that, and you guys would probably be more interested in hearing a voice you will hear a lot of for the next uh, 13 weeks. Mike Kelly, the voice of Missouri Tiger football and basketball, good enough to join us for a few minutes today. Mike, how are things, man? Guys, I'm doing well, and... You're right about trying to find information on the vaunted Skyhawks of Jason Simpson. Um, yeah, I think I saw an email that said that they they really have no media that goes with them. Uh, so uh, I guess that'll be the case uh, tomorrow. But anyway, nonetheless, it's always great to hear from you, Gabe and uh, Mitchell. I, I, I told you before, uh, pleasure to get a chance to hang around you, get to know you, and uh, obviously a big fan of your father's for a long, long time. Thank you. Not not a big fan of my father's anymore. He doesn't have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, your dad. I mean, you know the great story. I mean, uh, we were uh, we were in Kansas City for a KU game back when. Oh, by the way, uh, Kansas and Missouri used to play, <laughs> and uh, it was a mon- big Monday game, and that was when they had the later start time in the Big Eight. Uh, and Norm uh, 
insisted on, he always wanted to do Tiger Talk, no matter if we played or not on Mondays, because he wanted to be able to check that week off the weekly requirements that he had. <laughs> so, you know, I go up to his room at the, I think it was the Marriott in downtown Kansas City, we tape the show, get done, I mean, you know, making sure that we've got like, whatever, 38, 39 minutes of content, uh, get done. And I say to him, I said, Coach, what time does the bus leave? He says, well, we're going to leave at about 7 o'clock. I said, Coach, Tiger Talk starts at 7. And he says, Mike, you better find a way to Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> so I called uh, Michael DeArmond, who was kind enough to, uh, to to give me a ride in a uh, in a convertible Mustang, as I remember it, Gabe. Sounds and, about uh, right, yeah. Yeah, made her way to uh, made her way to Larry, Kansas. So yeah. So anyway, <laughs> all right. Now, Mike, before we get into this football team and, and all that, I I was intensely bored earlier this week, so I went back and and counted, you know, all the games that that I've missed over the last fifteen years. This will be my sixteenth season. I figured out this is going to be game number one hundred and sixty for me in person. There are not a lot of people in the press box who have been to a lot more. I would venture to say there's nobody in that press box who has seen more Missouri football in person than you have over the last 30 years. Is that right, you think? Well, uh, now that, uh, you know, Bob Brake is no longer with us and, you know, the late Ray Cliff, who used to be up in the press box. Um, yeah, I, 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 I guess, um, yeah, I, I guess uh, I, I take over the reins as the, the longest tenured member of the media. I used to call Vahe Gregorian the Helen Thomas of the, Mizzou Media Corps, but uh, I guess that now be one to you. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I, I've been really lucky, um, obviously, and uh, uh, this will be. I think the Georgia game is 300 consecutive games um, doing Mizzou football, dating back to the start of the 1994 season. Mitchell, do not tell me how old you were in 1994. <laughs> it will only depress me. He, he, he was negative one. Yeah. Mike. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Wow, you actually you kind of led into to one of my questions for you, Mike. Uh, I know that you know you like you said you've been to well, I think it's two hundred ninety six straight Mizzou football games. Now I'm just curious what what's the closest you've ever come to missing a game? Um, you know, during football, ironically, um, I really haven't had uh, I really haven't had any issues. Um, Is those that uh, that have been around the program. Uh, my remember, I think it was back in 2011 um, or no, 09, I think it was. I had to have I had to have surgery, um, so I missed some basketball games. Missed ten days. Uh, I think I missed one game, and then then came back after uh, uh, having surgery, and um, it was actually for a Kansas game. So um, the uh, so I've been very blessed, you know, really with, with, with health. Um, and and I don't honestly remember even being close to. To, to, to missing a football game, which um, I hadn't thought about that until you posed that question. But, yeah, it seems like the wintertime is when, uh, you know, my ailments tend to come to come to the forefront. <laughs> and, and and you've got kids getting to the right age now. Have they all been instructed do not get married in the fall? Uh, they have, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, and, 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 and candidly, it'd be hard for me to make it to, to wherever the local – I mean – I've got one in LA, one in Chicago, and one that's moving to New York on Tuesday. So, wow. uh, yeah, we need to pick summertime uh, uh, venues if 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 Dad's going to be there. 
I, I did. They may not want me to walk them down the aisle. <laughs> not invited to your own child's wedding would be, uh, that'd be something. I'm sure it happens, but I, I have a feeling you'll get an invite. Um, so I, I meant to mention this at the top. We did actually have Howard Richards, your partner of three or four years now, on the podcast two or three weeks ago. So you, Howard can say he beat you somewhere this year, Mike. He was the first to arrive on this podcast. So. <laughs> well, Gabe, as I've told you before, Howard has got many, many qualities. He's 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 never met a stranger. Uh, he always he always has got a warm, friendly smile for whoever he encounters. But punctuality is never going to be one of his strong suits. <laughs> Uh, all right, Mike, getting to some more football-oriented questions. Uh, I think kind of, you know, the consensus uh, among M- Mizzou fans is, is that, you know, Barry Odom needs to, to kind of show some sort of a step forward this year, N- not necessarily to, to keep his job just this year, but but to kind of buy some security in the long run. What, what do you think maybe quantifies a, a step forward? Is it a win number? Is it something else? Uh, is, is there, do you have something in, in mind that, that, you know, you need to see from Barry Odom this season? Well, I think it's continued continuity, continuing uh, growth in the program. What I mean by that is another trip back to a bowl game. Uh, I think a win in postseason play would 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 do a lot to keep the momentum going. Um, but I think it's just continued continuity. I mean, you know, if, if there's one thing that Gary Pinkle did uh, during his tenure at Missouri is that he returned the program to a level of credibility. Barry took a big step in that direction a year ago with his team that in year two went to a bowl game. So you have to follow it up with this group of talent uh, that, that's returning the number of players on both sides of the football. Um, and you have to take that, that, that next step. And not only, you know, I think uh, have more than seven wins, which I think this team is capable of doing, but then going to a postseason game and winning it. And, uh, and, and, and you know, we, I, I think those of us that know Barry really well understand this, that no one no one puts more uh, pressure on Barry than Barry himself in terms of just he's got a high set of expectations and, and, and goals that, that he's set for this team and set for himself and for his coaching staff. And, um, you know, I, I just think in terms of recruiting, in terms of, you know, building a fan base, which, which needs to be built, um, that you know, if you can do those two things and uh, and show progress, that uh, you know, Pinkle used to say this: that there's one word and it's three letters long and it cures a lot of problems, and it's called W-I-N. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do that, um, good things happen. And Mike, you've been around a few practices like we have here in the preseason, and this doesn't always mean anything. Like it's August, everybody's optimistic, all that, but. Do you think it's fair based on your interactions with Barry and just kind of being around practice? I think for the first time in three years, Barry likes this team. He likes the guys on it. Mm -hmm. He likes the locker room. He thinks he has a good team. Now, look, like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the face. But, you know, um, I think he feels better this August than he has the last couple. Well, I think that anytime you take over a program, uh, there's always going to be uh, a, letter, a level of turnover that's going to take place within the locker room. Um, it, it's just natural. You, you have different ways that you like to do things, different style of play, and so the locker room is going to turn over. I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, as you look at, at uh, you know, what took place in the latter stages of, 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 of Pinkle's career is that maybe there was some complacency. Maybe there was complacency on part of the administration. Maybe there was complacency on part of the coaching staff. Maybe there was complacency on the part of the leadership within the locker room. 
Um, and if you talk to the players and, and, and you guys have had more opportunities than I have, but just in conversations um, leading into camp and in the early stages of camp with, with Drew Locke and with Kevin Pendleton, they both said the same thing. The leadership of this group is better than it's ever been since we've been here. They've got no reason to lie. Uh, they also understand how important that leadership is because when you get struck in the face, uh, that's when you have to have strong leadership to keep everybody together and keep, you know, uh, moving in the right direction. And, you know, I, I give Barry a lot of credit. Uh, and, and so do those that surrounded him a year ago. I mean, you know, you're one in five and it doesn't look good. Um, and, and the one guy that kept that locker room together was Barry Odom. Um, and so, now you've seen the manifestation, I think, from, from his leadership ability, kind of starting to, to play off on that, that senior group. I think you've got a strong group of seniors that, that, that want to see this thing close. You know, I'm talking about their career um, at a level that they haven't seen as players. And uh, so, yeah, let, let's see what happens. But um, I, I think he does like this team, and, and rightfully so. Um, you know, not only does this team have talent, uh, but there's a lot of good people that, that that he surrounded himself, both in the locker room and in the coaches' room. Mike, this is uh, you, you touched on the, this a little bit, but a, a little bit different direction uh, here to this question. Uh, you know, I, I know that one of the big challenges, obviously, when you take over a program, is assembling a, a coaching staff, and uh, obviously, you know, there there's been some bumps in the road, especially on the the kind of the defensive side of the ball. We kind of get the impression that you know Barry Barry's kind of sink or swim with both of these coordinators right now and Derek Dooley and Ryan Walters he you know kind of put both of them in in these spots what do you feel like is kind of you know his level of comfort in those guys and and how that's maybe you know impacted his uh how much he likes this team well in in talking with him he's 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 really comfortable with 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 both of them um you know he'll tell you Ryan's too smart to be in coaching uh (laughs) you know Ryan Ryan could be you know working in um you know, obviously some boardroom somewhere. Uh, he, he, he's that type of a leader and that gifted uh, in terms of intelligence. And, you know, obviously Derek brings, uh, brings a great deal of experience. Um, you know, I, I've said this about, about Coach Dooley is that, you know, I've had Mizzou fans that have come up to me and say, oh, my God, it failed at Tennessee, to which I say to them, with the exception of Philip Fulmer or since Philip Fulmer, who hasn't failed at Tennessee? You know, it's a, it's a different mindset. It's a different set of expectations among the, among, and probably unrealistic among the, 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 the fan base. Uh, but I think I, I also believe in, you know, in osmosis a little bit. I think both of you guys learned a little bit about your profession just by hanging out with your dads. I think yeah. Derek Dooley probably did the same thing at a very young age, hanging around with the great Vince Dooley. Uh, and then, you know, he had a chance to, you know, not only do stuff outside of football, but then, you know, ran two programs. That's certainly, I think, valuable uh, because you learn from success, you learn from failure. Uh, and then to be on a headset and working at the very top level of this game uh, for the last several years, I think you learn things that are very, very valuable. So, yeah, he may not have called a game, but I guarantee you sitting there with headsets on, he knew what play was going to be run next or thought what play was going to be run next. So, And I think Barry, Barry is, is very comfortable. But I think the other thing, too, with those guys, you got to look at the additions of a Vernon Hargraves and what does he bring to the mm-hmm. table. Uh, you look at a guy like, like Brad Davis. Um, two of the hires that I think he made that were terrific that I think have kind of flown under the radar 
are the two analysts and Ted yeah. Monachino and, and, and Garrick McGee, because again, you get, you get two guys that have, that have been at, at a very high level. McGee, of course, was a coach. He's been an offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, Ted, obviously a Missouri guy that uh, um, also was a defensive coordinator, but, but that set of eyes and being able for those, and I watch those guys at practice. I mean, they're, they're constantly writing down notes, paying attention, following every aspect of what's going on on the field. To have that different lens to then present it to the head coach and the coordinators, I think that's very, very important. And so, um, you know, I, I I really have no hesitation in saying I think Derek Dooley is going to be just fine at offensive coordinator, and I think I think uh, Ryan Walters is going to be just fine at defensive coordinator. Um, and I think you know you have as 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 a coach as you're building your staff for the first time. I think sometimes you have bumps in the road, but how do you recover from those bumps in the road? And I, and I think he's done a good job in terms of putting together this group of, of uh, individuals to work with this team. And one of the biggest things, hey, the more time you spend in a, in a job, it's it's okay to admit maybe there are other people who uh, who can give you ideas on how to be better at that job. You know, you don't have to come up with all the answers yourself. We're, uh, I'm sure you guys recognize the voice, but we're talking for a few more minutes with Mike Kelly the radio voice of the Missouri Tigers first game Saturday at three o'clock, uh, bring your personal air conditioner. It's going to be really hot, uh, as it always is for the season opener, but we've kind of looked past this game for, for five months, Mike, because uh, look, this game doesn't matter. If Missouri plays it a hundred times, they're going to win 98 of them, 99 of them. And if they don't win this game easily, then it's probably a bad sign, but Everything was made of the one and five start last year and the the six and zero oh finish. And if you looked at the schedule, it made a little bit of sense. The problem for Missouri this year, boy, their schedule is front loaded for a second straight year. I mean, the one we pointed to all along, you've got to go to West Lafayette and get a win because if you lose yeah. week three at Purdue, you're coming back two and one, and your next three games are Georgia at South Carolina at Alabama. I know he rescued them from one and five last year. I don't even think Barry Odom would say that's the way he wants to have to go about it every season. Well, and, you know, I even take that starting with Purdue game, just kind of put it into a five-game stretch ending with Memphis. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the goal is to go three and two. And if you go three and two, then it could put you in an opportunity to do some really neat things in the month of November. So, um, you know, and, and, and the other thing, too, that that is, you know, someone that's followed the program for a long time, you used to worry about this. When you went on the road or went to places like, Texas A&M or Texas or Nebraska back in the day, you're worried about not only trying to compete, but trying to survive because, yeah. you know, invariably those guys that could ground it, you know, just grind it out on the ground. Um, you know, they take control of the game, you know, get the lead and then, you know, just, just run the ball down your throat and you invariably get guys hurt on both sides of the football and mm-hmm. that impacted, you know, what was going to take place the rest of the year. And so you, you know, you hope for a team that can stay healthy, a t- team that can, can, you know, maybe grab some early momentum. I look at, at, at Purdue a little bit like you do, Gabe, and that to me, I think it's a springboard. I think it's a, it, it, it's, it's a game that if you go on the road, you beat a Big Ten opponent who spanked you in your house a year ago, if you can win that game, that, there's no reason that can't be a springboard for you moving into the next week. Uh, obviously, uh, the you know kind of the biggest you know question mark coming out of last season for for Missouri is the defense and particularly the uh, the pass defense that was kind of the team's Achilles heel at times last season. Uh, Mike, if you had to guess, what what maybe would you say is maybe the one uh, the one key, the one thing the team needs to improve on or, or do differently than last season to you know improve in that area? Well, takeaways obviously, um, you know they've got to find a way to win the turnover margin. 
this year. I think I, I think creating more opportunities and take care of the football um, are, are are two big important things. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Uh, you know, so, so uh, I don't want to sound like one, but you know, you got to create more turnovers. Uh, number one, no, number two, you got to be able to, to those guys up front have got to be able to develop an identity of getting pressure on the quarterback. And you know, return Missouri to the to to a level from a defensive standpoint where uh, you know it's going to be difficult for a quarterback to hang on to the ball. He's going to have to get it out in a hurry. That makes it easy on the back end. One of the things that I feel a little bit better about this year is that you've got guys, uh, primarily in AC and Sparks, guys that you know saw the playing field as young guys right away a year ago. AC is a sophomore, obviously. Sparks is a true freshman, but. I mean, for both those kids, it had to be like drinking water out of a fire hose. Uh, and then, you know, you had Oliver on the back end who's seen a lot of football. I think that can be kind of a calming presence, uh, you know, for for the rest of the guys in the, in the back end. I think I think the linebacking core is going to be fine. Uh, I, I think that, that one thing we haven't talked about really is the depth on the defensive line. I think there's a lot of good competition there. I mean, other than Terry Beckner, you could roll in a number of different guys into that starting lineup different faces each and every week. You know, Beckner's going to be there each and every week, and you hope that Terry has, um, you know, a great season. Again, I go back to, to one of the things Pinkle used to always say. He said, if you want to take a step as a program, then guys are returning. Guys that are returning have got to have the best seasons that they've ever had for you to take the next step. And so, okay, Drew Locke, you know, maybe you don't put up 44, but, you know, you have to have a terrific season as a senior. A guy like uh, Emmanuel Hall. You've got to build upon that. Demaria Crockett, Larry Roundtree, Albert Okuwebunum uh, on the defensive side. You know, guys like Brandon, guys like Beckner, guys like, you know, Cale um, Garrett. You know, those guys that are returning, they've got to play at a level that they've never played before for you to take the next step. And, you know, that all comes through preparation during the offseason and, and, and obviously, uh, you know, throughout the week. That's why Mike's the best in the business. He doesn't take the easy way out and go with Albert O. So uh, very impressive mid midseason form already, Mr. Kelly. Um, uh, I've been asked about him a few times this week. Yeah, I bet. Wanted to ask you one more schedule, uh, schedule-driven question, and that is I know that you had a daughter that just graduated from the University of Alabama. You've spent some time down in Tuscaloosa. Um, that's the one road trip I hope Missouri fans are making because they won't have another chance till about 2030. So uh, – what aside from the fact that it is very very difficult for anyone but the home team to win there, how's game day in Tuscaloosa? It's pretty cool. Um, we went down there two years ago after the Missouri Arkansas game at Fro. Uh, Lori and I uh, jumped in the car uh, about seven o'clock, left, and drove to Winfield, Alabama. Got there about two a.m. Uh, <laughs> got up the next morning, drove into Tuscaloosa, and we we're at my my daughter's condominium by about nine o'clock the next morning. And, and again, it was the iron bowl. So just to see that environment and, you know, a little bit different. I mean, there's tailgating that takes place. A lot of it takes place in, you know, different like uh, areas around campus, if you will. Uh, but one of the neat things to do in Tuscaloosa on game day is just walk down through the strip uh, and, 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 you know, they close that down. The streets are closed. You have a chance to walk and go to the different restaurants and bars and, um, you know, it's 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 just really kind of a kind of a neat environment. Um, you know, and and the other thing too that you know that I like about Tuscaloosa is the restaurants. I mean, there are a lot of really good restaurants down there that are um, 
you know, places I'm going to visit when, when we head down there. So uh, it's a fun environment. It really is. And, you know, they have a high level of, uh, I mean, they've got a great expectation each and every year when their their team starts the season each and every game when they take the field. So, um, you know, I, I don't, even in the Iron Bowl, it was loud. I, I was there at the Ole Miss game last year and it was loud. Um, you know, uh, it, it, there's just certain things about it that are, that, that you know, kind of, I guess, if you will, um, epitomize, if you will, college football, some of the traditions, the songs, stuff like that. I mean, you know, when you hear 104,000 people yell, roll, tight, roll, it, 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 it has a, it has the ability to kind of, you know, be memorable, if you yeah. will. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I, I, you know, and, and, and heck, hopefully Missouri goes in there healthy and goes there in, in there on a roll. Let's see what happens. Mike, last question for me. I, uh, you know, we touched early on your your streak of consecutive uh, football games broadcast. So I have to ask: Is there one game for you that, that that is the most maybe memorable or most fun game that you've ever called? Uh, you know, there there are actually three, uh, Mitchell, and and, and I'm going to frame it like this. Um, first of all, in '97, Missouri goes on the road to Colorado, mm-hmm. and Missouri wins the game to guarantee that the Tigers are going to finish with their first winning season in 13 years. And I look over and John Cadillac, who gave more than 50 years of his life as a, as a player, as a coach, as an administrator to the university of Missouri has got a tear in his eyes Mm -hmm. uh, because his program was returning to a level that, that he had hoped it would, it would go back to. And that was winning. Uh, And then when Missouri played in the cotton bowl for the first time against Arkansas, um, in the old Cotton Bowl Stadium on that on that cold, crisp afternoon uh, where Tony Temple ran wild over the Razorbacks. Again, John Cadillac was emotional after the game because his program was back at a level that he had hoped to see it, and that was to be playing a significant game on New Year's Day. Uh, the Armageddon game is something I think we'll all remember. You know, Lorenzo Williams sacking Todd Reesing in the end zone is something that uh, – that, that I'll remember for a while. And then, of course, the uh, Shane Ray scoop and score uh, in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, just to be able to have the opportunity, um, you know, over the last, you know, 20-plus years to, 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 to play play a little bit of a role, but to see a lot of different faces, um, both from a coach's standpoint, from an administrator's standpoint, but then from a player's standpoint, see those guys come through the program and then, then see what they're doing after, after they graduate or after they've had a chance to play at the highest level. Um, it's just neat to maintain those relationships and see, uh, see how, you know, one little thing kind of connected us all. And that's Mizzou football. If I was a little better at this uh, podcast thing, I would splice in coach Cadillac's call of the fake field goal against Nebraska in 2003, because that was, <laughs> that was my favorite what moment. Yeah. Boom, boom. That was my favorite moment in Missouri radio history. Uh, Mike, I just want to end with this. I mean, you've been doing this a, a long time. I say a lot of times like, Hey, it's it, like the fandom gets knocked out of you when you're there every week road games. Like, I don't know. I've been a lot of places. They all tend to kind of run together, but is there still is there still something special about this time of year? You still get excited about this time of year leading up to game one? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, just the, the the preparation, you know, can be laborious at times. But it, mm-hmm. you know, just like you know, today I'm you know getting ready to head to Columbia. We've got the coaches show tonight. Uh, you know, just <laughs> packing up, making sure you've got everything you need for game day. But uh, yeah, the start of it because it's. You know, we 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 left at the end of the day with you know uh, 
at the at the end of the Texas Bowl thinking, wow, what might have been. Uh, and and now uh, we've got an opportunity to see what, what, what has happened and the growth and the commitment that these kids made during the offseason to get ready for this year. And um, I'm anxious just to see what the next what what the next chapter and verse of Mizzou football is all about. And that begins coming up on Saturday. All right. Well, Mike, we really appreciate you taking the time. Know you're busy and uh, didn't want to let you get out of here without wishing you and your wonderful wife happy 30th anniversary earlier this week. And we'll see you on Thank Saturday. You, buddy. All right, man. Thank you. You guys be safe. Thanks, right. Mike. Have a good one. Mike Kelly, right. voice of the Missouri Tigers. He's a busy man. Does He hosts a radio show on Sunday mornings, doesn't tend to do a ton of radio and podcast appearances himself, but always uh, usually takes time for us one time in the preseason. And uh, Mitchell, I will tell you this, like I've been doing this a long time. There are very few things more enjoyable. We got to do this at the PGA than just buying Mike Kelly a beer or actually having him buy you a beer and listen to Mike <laughs> Kelly tell Missouri stories because he's got a couple. And Andy's got the voice to, to, to yes. tell the stories. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Great yes. to hear from Mike. As he said, he's been to every game for you know last 15 years. So, I mean, I think I'm not sure he, he's like a you know walking encyclopedia on uh, Missouri football. Yeah, Mike Kelly is an institution. Want to before we finish this up, remind you one more time. Our podcast is being brought to you this week by Mark Skid. You can find them on the internet at markskid.com. That is M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. And if you're thinking Mark Skid, that would make a funny name for an underwear company. <laughs> well, there you go. That's what it is. Mark Skid is an underwear company found by a fellow founded by a fellow Mizzou alum. $4 of every pair you purchase from markskid.com is going to go to a charity of your choice. You can choose Save, Feed or Cure the World through any of the nine four-star charity partners. One pair of underwear can plant four trees, feed a child in the developing world for 12 days or deliver $80 of life-saving medical equipment. And Mark has Given you guys, the listeners to this podcast, a special opportunity. If you go to markskid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com, and use the checkout code POWERMIZOU, that is all one word, P-O-W-E-R-M-I-Z-Z-O-U, you'll get 15% off of your order and free U.S. shipping. The season is about to start. Judging by our message boards, many people get very nervous during games and probably need new underwear. And if you're buying new underwear, might as well do something that can, you know, help benefit the world. Right. And next week, I, hopefully you won't need a new pair after week one. Yeah. Maybe after week two or three, though. <laughs> if, you need a, if, if you need a new pair of underwear after uh, this week, you probably drank too much. Yeah, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a personal problem. But, again, markskid.com, thanks very much to, uh, to them for sponsoring the podcast this week. And, uh, Mitchell, look, we're not going to spend any time talking about Saturday like we should be riding at halftime of this game. This mm-hmm. game should be over at halftime. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know last week you said to uh, look up uh, one look up uh, UT Martin facts, so I did, and I feel like this is all I need to say uh, about people's expectation for people's expectations about this game. At one point last season, UT Martin went ten plus quarters without scoring a touchdown, all against fellow FCS opponents. So if we have another Missouri State type game where they score forty points. I, 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 I mean, I, there's nothing not, left to say. Not great, Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, I actually did not look up a UT Martin fact. I failed. However, I do know one that I learned along the way this week. UT Martin's most famous alum. Any idea? Well, I think Pat Summer. Pat right? Summit. Yeah, there was yes. a, there was a couple other pretty well known ones. I remember seeing tweeted. I don't. I, I know one was. There, uh, 
the owner of the Giants, I think. I Wellington Mara? Okay. No, I don't know. Yeah. I might, I might there, be wrong. There was a football player who played in the NFL. I'd never heard of him. I don't know who he yeah. was. But I have heard of Pat, Pat Summit. Pat um, Summit, very famous. And, yes, uh, went on to do great things in the state of Tennessee. Also, uh, interesting, I was corrected by Memphis fans because I originally screwed this up. But Missouri plays four teams from the state of Tennessee this year in uh in 2011, they played four teams from the state of Texas all in consecutive weeks. I could not find any time where they played five teams from one t- one state. But they may have had a year where they played like Washburn and Emporia State and <laughs> Fort Hayes State in addition to KU and K-State, but I did not find it. Yeah, that, that would be a, a lot of time in Kansas and a, a, a lot of bad football. <laughs> yeah, so we have uh, we have done everything we can do on Missouri. Uh, but look, college football, like it started last week, but it I mean, if you sat and watched Wyoming and New Mexico State or Colorado State and Hawaii, good for you. We did not. Um, but it really starts this week, and it starts tonight. There is an SEC game. Texas A&M starts tonight with North- Northwestern State. Northwestern State. Uh, the, the Purple Demons or something the like demons, that. The yeah. Demons, uh, one time as a 14 seed, upset the University of Iowa in the good. NCAA yes, tournament. Yes. I remember that. I actually have been um, very near Northwestern State's campus when Missouri played in the Independence Bowl in 2003. Are they near Shreveport? It is not too far from Shreveport. My dad and I went out out, out to the Shreveport suburbs uh, <laughs> one day and, and saw some sights, and oh, Northwestern State is is around there. Yeah, suburban Shreveport is, is a sight to see. Everybody, uh, you might book your next vacation there. But first SEC game of, of note, obviously, is that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, SEC games, this, we're going as part of our previews for Missouri games on Saturday, we're going to pick the Missouri game, but also we're going to pick every other SEC game on Saturday. So mm-hmm. we don't want to give away picks here because we want you to have some reason to come to the site on Saturday day before the game but just which sec game has your attention this week which one is is the one that you'll most want to watch oh it's definitely uh or washington auburn um you know the uh like a lot of things about that that game make me want to obviously two preseason top 10 teams a lot a lot of things about the game want make me want to pick auburn namely that it's you know a lot a lot closer to uh auburn than it is to washington but i love uh i love chris peterson in those opening season opener games he like made that was his thing at at boise uh you know going and and playing you know bigger teams at neutral site games to open the uh open the season i felt like you know seems like boise always won those games so that'll be a really good game obviously two teams that are kind of you know have playoff aspirations so one one team will come away with a really a big resume boosting win and the other will have their chances dented a bit. Auburn can still make the playoff if they lose that Absolutely, game. Yes. If Washington loses that game, I don't know if the Pac-12 can make the playoff. Like yeah. not just Washington. I don't know if anybody in the Pac-12 I think can. I mean I definitely think they could. If if Washington wins out from there and wins the Pac-12, I, I think it's possible, but they would need some <sighs> but help. There's nobody they would need any good they, they would, in the Pac-12. Yeah. I mean like I I think I don't know. I I haven't I have definitely not run every scenario, but I I would imagine that a team that only loses to, you know, Auburn in an almost road game and then and then wins its conference could if, you know, you get a couple like, you know, a two lost Big Ten champion or something. But I mean, the SEC champs going to be in the Big Ten champs going to be in the ACC champs almost certainly going to be in. Like if Washington were to lose that game, I think it's going to come down to like if Oklahoma went unbeaten in the Big 12, they're kind of screwed or. Is one loss Washington better than two loss Auburn, which beat them but didn't make their own title? You know, yeah, it, yeah, it, I, don't know. I, guess, I think it yeah. would be tough. Yeah. The uh, the interesting game to me is LSU Miami mm-hmm. because I think LSU is ranked twenty fifth in the preseason poll, but I don't know why because every single person I've heard talk about it thinks LSU might only not be great, yeah. but might be train wreck fire Ed Orgeron bad this yeah. year. 
and yet they're in the top 20. Like, I must listen to people that don't have AP votes. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, that's an intriguing game because it's another neutral site game and it's two really big names. But mm-hmm. I think both teams are honestly overrated. I think they um, might think, both be overrated, but I think Miami's better. Oh, I definitely think Miami's better. But, like, I, I just don't think it's as big a game as people want to think. It, there are um, not a lot of big it, games. It could still be. Week. Oh, yeah, that's true. It, it could still definitely be a close game. It could be entertaining. Yeah. But I, I agree. I don't, I don't. I was stunned when I saw LSU in the top yeah. 25. I mean, you know, like you said, it seemed like, you know, the, the talk at, at media day is just can Ed Ogeron just do enough to keep his job. Right. So we'll see. I, I mean, that'll be – you know that'd be an interesting game, but I definitely uh, I I don't see either of those teams you know being real factors down the stretch on a national scene. The other one that that interests me solely because um, I saw a Louisville offensive lineman earlier this week. Perhaps mm-hmm. you know who it was. I don't. Um, but he, tw- he he there was a tweet that quoted him as saying, "If we just dominate Alabama <laughs> up front, we're not really worried about their defensive line, and I think we can do that." Now, yeah. fortunately for this young man, <laughs> Alabama does not have a history of being any good at all on the defensive line. Right. It's not like that the way they've won, you know, what is it, like six, five championships in the last 10 years yeah. just by dominating in the trenches. That's I mean, not like that's the whole thing like, their team is built upon. No, I, I'm interested I'm, in that game just because I, you know, grew up in Louisville and, and Louisville fans are excited. And I, I have definitely seen some social media chatter that they think they can they hang with Alabama. I, I think. Alabama is going to steamroll them just because that's what they do in these season right. opening games. They usually Saban and, doesn't want to just win; he wants to make a statement. And I think, like, look, I am all for confidence. Like, people kind of <laughs> yeah. made a big deal out of Bobby Petrino saying, "I think we're going to win." Well, what the hell's Bobby Petrino going right. to say? Of course, he thinks they're going to win. If they had Lamar but, Jackson, it would be really right. interesting. But this they offensive don't. lineman, like, I can see this, and it would be even more so if Lane Kiffin was still there. <laughs> but I can see Alabama going. Okay, we're up 35, and we're going to show this kid how wrong he was, and we're going to win this game by 52 points. Yeah, yeah. I, so, uh, I, I got to say, I imagine being that uh, new starting quarterback for Louisville, first career start, taking over for the best player in program history, and you're playing Alabama. I, I might tell Petrino I hurt my hamstring. Yeah. I mean, honestly. So, okay, that leads into the last thing I want to talk about today. Along the lines of things I saw on Twitter this week, where in the pantheon of off-the-deep-end Twitter rants does former Ohio State wide receivers coach Zach Smith now rank? Boy, I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, I'm he's not, up there. I'm not, you know, I'm not having a bunch of Twitter rants come to mind. Right. I, have, I don't have a catalog, but it was, I don't know. I like, I don't even, it, you want to laugh about it, but it's also just kind of really sad. And yes. It just messed up. I mean, like, the, the dude, I don't know if he's got, like, mental issues or is just really delusional or is just trying to, you know, I don't know, make money somehow I, out of this on a court case or something. But, like, he, he clearly, like, everything he said was just so out of touch with reality. And the saddest part was obviously kind of almost weaponizing his kids, you know, putting pictures of them up on, on Twitter and everything. I don't know. I, like, it, it's it's sort of funny, but it's it's really just, it, it's not it's not a good situation. And, and I think the other thing is, like, people kind of forget like you know everyone thinks like you know it's talking about urban meyer like people have, have almost started to to move on from the whole right. you know zach this man actually you know laid hands he, upon he's his wife. the problem right, right. exactly that's what and, i'm trying to say so yeah. yeah and uh yeah i saw multiple pictures tweeted of train wrecks in response to his tweet yesterday and like i will say this and like kind of it's joking but kind of i'm not i'm hoping his ex-wife is not as crazy as he makes her sound because those kids deserve one parent who's not a total nut job in their life. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's clearly yeah. a bad situation. They, the 
the one thing that you will say from this is, I guess, I mean, like it, it's making it a lot harder for for Ohio State to just move on quietly and get into football season. It, and actually, I think that's good. Yeah, I hope I Ohio agree. State doesn't get to move on all season. That should be the story in Columbus for a long time. Not whether or not they can beat Oregon State in a big uh, opener with uh, Ryan Day as the interim head coach. But uh, there are a couple decent games this weekend. One of them is not in Columbia, Missouri, but we will talk about those. We will uh, we will preview Wyoming next week. We are into game week. We, we kind of previewed all these teams over the summer, but now we will have actually seen them. We'll get a little bit more in-depth. And uh, you guys made it through another long offseason, so uh, thanks for joining us. Go buy new underwear from markskid.com. Save the world. A uh, new uh, sponsor of our podcast for this week and a few weeks in the future. And Mitchell and I will be back next Thursday.